I'm Binny. And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love, and sometimes hate, of movie musicals. From Golden Age to Disney to Contemporary, we will recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along because this, this is, is Backstage, Backstage Biddies. feeling saucy i'm feeling good um i learned a lot about editing software in the last seven days like a lot a lot <laughs> bless up yeah pretty excited about it what's new how are you i am doing dandy fantastic on this glorious sunday evening Hoo-ah. of recording how are you doing good um like i said i had a fun week i got to edit a bunch of stuff which was super fun um ross and i went to the overture in madison and saw the prom Ooh, yes, super yes. fun. A teacher friend of ours ended up not being able to go, and so he sold us uh, his tickets, and they were really good seats, like orchestra seats. Ooh. Yeah, it's probably the closest to the stage I've ever been in the in the Overture Center. It was really good. Awesome. And the show was fantastic. Um, had a really good time. Live shows always make me feel all re-energized and plugged back in, and so it was good. We've had a good week. Good, yeah. good. You know what I've been doing this week? Tell me all about it. Watching and researching Hello. our next musical. Now remind me of our hint. The hint last week was divine. Oh, divine. divine. Simply marvelous, divine, spectacular. Divine. And of course with divine, we are talking about divine the drag queen. She was one of the originators of a role in this 1988 John Waters film, Hairspray. Woo! Woo! Fun fact, I have um, a single by Divine on vinyl. <gasps> yeah. I think it's called The Big O or something something like that. Something. something. It's an orgasm. Something raunchy. Yeah, she's, she's alluding to orgasms and whatever it is. This was, like, the last movie that she was in before she passed. Like, it premiered, and then shortly after, she passed away. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Wow. What a legacy. So, in the 1988 John Waters film, she played Edna Turnblad. The infamous mother of super starlet Tracy Turnblad. Tracy Turnblad. This was the lowest rated film of John Waters. And by that, I mean this was only rated pg Oh, like the actual rating of it. The actual rating. Oh, like the film rating. Yes. Like the... the... Content rating. Yeah, yeah, content rating. The content rating. Up until then, I'm fairly certain every single film John Waters ever did was an X-rated film. Well, I don't know if you've ever Googled Divine, but... (laughs) She is an X-rated lady. I mean, yeah, it definitely wasn't... It wasn't family entertainment. So the John Waters film was the source material... For the musical Hairspray, which was written by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. Um, This is the same writing duo that did Catch Me If You Can. They wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, They've taken the hat from the Sherman Brothers um, and wrote the music for the Mary Poppins Returns film. Mm. Um, The Sherman Brothers were like the famous Disney brother duo who wrote dozens and dozens of uh, Disney movies. But they did the original Mary Poppins and then uh, 
when they did Mary Poppins Returns, they wanted like a fresh take, but still like with that Disney vibe. And uh, Shaman and Whitman really fit that bill. So they did that. Um, they also wrote a ton of the music for Smash. <gasps> yeah. Like, I, I'm pretty sure Bombshell is Shaman and Whitman. Oh, I would die. Yeah. It's, that's such good. That makes a lot of sense, though. It does make sense because we love all of these things so much. Exactly. Like, this is just a pool of, like, things that we unequivocally love. <laughs> <laughs> Near and dear to our hearts, yes. So the musical debuted in uh, 2002 in Seattle and then immediately transferred to broad- Broadway in 02. It's actually still running today, although it's only running in the West End Um I don't believe it's still running in the States, but it is running in London. In 2003, it won the Tony for Best Musical. It won a handful of other awards uh, out of its 13 nominations that year. (gasps) Yeah, it was a big deal. The original Broadway uh, cast included the likes of Harvey Firestein, Matthew Morrison, Laura Bell Bundy, Carrie Butler, Jackie Hoffman. Names on names on names. I mean, we're we're talking Broadway titans who have originated dozens of roles collectively since then. Harvey Firestein has won Tonys in multiple categories, including uh, writing for Kinky Boots. Laura Bell Bundy was obviously Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, which is like her big title that everyone knows her for. Um, Carrie Butler has been in everything. Catch Me If You Can, Beetlejuice. I mean, she's incredible. Jackie Hoffman is comedy gold. Matthew Morrison played that one awful, awful teacher, and we will forgive him because he gave us this. But yeah, I mean, just just a stellar cast who knocked it out of the park immediately. Um, they were garnered by designers who also were the best in the biz, including William Ivy Long, um, the man who did the costumes for the producers, Young Frankenstein, Cinderella. We're talking gargantuan, stunning, stellar, really intricate, technically speaking, costumes. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so this um, this musical had everything going for it. It ran for 2,642 performances on Broadway. The movie came out in 2007. Shortly after the movie premiered, with its success, it transferred to the West End. It opened on the West End in 2008 and then set a record at 11 nominations at the Olivier Awards. It won several, including Best Musical at the Olivier's as well. So this musical has just been on the up and up. It's still running in the West End. It's gone on a ton of tours. It's a popular cruise ship show. I mean, this musical plays everywhere forever. As it should. As well it should. When you have that many incredible stars in your cast and it brought it to such wonderful life, you can't go wrong. And the outstanding casting does not just stop at the stage production. Tell me all about it. I will tell you all about it. Are you ready for it? As ready as I can be. For the movie, we have breakout star Nikki Blonsky. God bless her heart. Bless her. This is the first thing that she's ever done. And actually, when she was younger kid, because it was a very quick turnaround from stage production to movie musical. Super fast. They took off running and just kept running. Yes. Um, but she actually got to see it on Broadway. And she turned and looked at her mom and was like, that's me. That's so great. I can do that. How magical. I can be her. One short phrase says it all. Representation matters. It does every single time. When the movie came out in 2007, she was 19. She played the leading role, Tracy Turnblad. Then the John Travolta, of course, played Edna Turnblad, her mom. 
Michelle Pfeiffer, who was also in Grease 2, was the villainess Velma Von Tussel. I love the Von Tussels. Her, speaking of Von Tussels, her daughter Amber Von Tussel was played by Brittany Snow. Penny Lou Pingleton, best friend of Tracy Turnblad, was played by Amanda Bynes. Tracy's dad, Wilbur Turnblad, was played by Christopher Walken. But the one who actually played the original Wilbur Turnblad, Jerry Stiller, actually is the one who plays Mr. Pinky. They do that a lot in this in movie. This. They do. John Waters. So in the beginning scene, there's a flasher. That's John Waters. One of the original uh, Tracys is one of the talent scouts in the final scene. Uh, there, there are nods to that all over. Mickey and we'll, we'll talk about more of them as we move through the plot today. But, um, but yeah, this movie was really... I feel a labor of love. There were so many people who cared about it um, and loved it so much and so many people involved and they they all just got their fingers in wherever they could. Yes. Um, next up, we have Motormouth Maybell Stubbs played by Queen Latifah. Then we've got Corny Collins plays by James Marsden. Link Larkin played by Zac Efron who at the time was 20. So actually all of like the high school age kids were almost all the same age. They're between 20 and 21 when the movie came out, and Nikki Blonsky was the youngest actress. Well, hats off to them. It was uh, really appropriately aged, I think, I agree. for the characters. Um, Zac Efron was 20 when this movie came out. The year before, he actually did High School Musical. But in that movie, Zac Efron didn't sing. No, he didn't. He was dubbed by some Australian pop star or something. He did sing in this. After this movie came out and everyone heard, oh my God, he can sing? What? Then they let him sing in the last two High School Musical movies. Yeah, it feels goofy, but whatever. Seaweed J. Stubbs is played by oh, Elijah Kelly. Love him. Me too. Oh, so hot. The year before, he was in Take the Lead, that in oh. Antonio Banderas movie where he teaches the kids to dance. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that. He's one of the students. Neat. Ellison Janey played Prudy Pingleton. And Little Inez was played by Taylor Parks. And she was 14. Good for her. 14 with those lungs? Are you kidding me? Oof. How old were we when this came out? 2007. It was like the summer of 2007. So we were going into eighth grade. So we would have been anywhere from 12 to 14, just depending on which one of us we're talking about. So we were her age. The film was critically and financially successful, breaking the record for the biggest sales opening weekend for a movie musical. That is the title that it held until July 2008, when it was surpassed by Mamma Mia. And then Mamma Mia was later surpassed by High School Musical 3, senior year. Hairspray went on to become the 10th highest grossing musical film in U.S. cinema history, behind the film adaptations of Grease, Chicago, and Mamma Mia, and stands as one of the most critically and commercially successful musical films of the 2000s. In my opinion, this movie really solidified the movie musical renaissance that Chicago initiated. Chicago happened and we were like, oh, it's back. We can do movie musicals again. There's a market for this. People are into this. They're back. And by the time this movie rolls around, we're like firing on all cylinders. We know what people want. It's happening. We're producing good movie musicals. We understand the formula and like they really lit it the fuck up. Yeah, they did. And actually, there was going to be a sequel. I heard that. Yes. Because it was so successful, New Line Cinema had asked John Waters to write a sequel. 
So he reunited the director and choreographer, Adam Shankman, Mark Shaman, and Scott Whitman. The story would have looked at Tracy's entering the late 60s era music and the British invasion and used the hippie movement and Vietnam War as backdrops. It was going to be called Hairspray 2, White Lipstick. But it never happened. Why? Genuinely, I don't know. I do. John Travolta refused. He said he's not a sequels guy. That's the only reason why they didn't do it? Yeah. Um, I think... Probably by the time they had gotten around to, like, having conversations about, like, writing Edna out or recasting, the the iron had probably cooled too far. And gotcha. They had, they had kind of lost the momentum. Although I do know that John Waters finished the script and pitched it at HBO. Yep. In 2019, I think. Yeah, but... But it never did happened. Not, no, didn't produce it. Which is sad. All right, let's dive into some plot, baby. Give it to me. All right, so we enter in with Good Morning Baltimore playing. We get right into the singing right off the bat. This is set in Baltimore, Maryland. May 3rd, 1962 is the first day. Ten seconds in, I'm already in love with every second of the film. Every detail is in place. The world is so, like, time period specific, like, down to, like, buckles on shoes, like, zipper placements on dresses like it's so accurate so pretty i'm in love it's very it's very specific they do this really cool thing entering in where the sounds of the city become enveloped into this the first song yeah um so tracy is perpetually late is heading off to school singing good morning baltimore heads out the door she bumps into the flasher who lives next door which is played by john waters um so she's heading out she misses the bus she hops on a garbage truck which i guess is like a it's a barbara streisand reference yeah we have another one later that i'll mention too but i i didn't know that this one was a streisand reference so she ends up arriving at school late gets into class teacher gives her a hard time because of her hair this beginning section is basically setting up the fact that she's kind of not liked by her classmates, not really liked by teachers. She's right. kind of an outcast. Um, and then her and her best friend Penny are leaving school and have to haul ass home to see their favorite TV show, which leads into Nicest Kids in Town, which, fun fact, the Courtney Collins show is based off of the Buddy Dean show, which was canceled in 1964. Oh, I thought it was just like a riff on like classic TV shows of the 50s and 60s. I didn't know it was like an actual reference to a real show. Yeah, the Buddy Dean show um, was a show based out of Baltimore. Oh my God. And the station actually refused to integrate. Well? Which is why in 1964, it's no longer a thing. Listen, you can either keep up or you can die. And that's just that on that. So we have nicest kids in town. They arrive at the Turnblad residence. They're watching the show. We get this really cool like dual scene where we're watching what's happening right before they get on camera and also what's happening in the Turnblad house. Mm -hmm. So we kind of get views from both sides. Question for you. What is with the <laughs> white socks and black shoes? On TV, you mean? Yeah. Oh, on the on like the nicest kids in town. Yeah. So um, it is was that a, a... Is that a thing that would happen in fashion or is that... Yeah, so on TV it was important because if you wore a dark sock with a dark shoe, especially on like black and white television, mm -hmm. it would look like you didn't have an ankle because your leg would just flow seamlessly into your shoe. 
So to like break up the line of your leg, they would wear white socks with darker shoes or like, or the other way around. Oh, yeah. Breaking it up, breaking it up. Yeah. Also, it was, you know, partially just like a trend for teens at the time, but on film, on TV, that was the reason. So all the cool kids had short pants white socks and black shoes yeah you had high waters and that was partially because <laughs> we were tight on textiles coming out of world war ii and we're still grappling with that at this stage in the game in america in the 1960s so high waters were really trendy wow yeah. the more you know so tracy and penny are at her house watching this tv show and then we find out that tracy's mom edna owns her own like laundry service right and Penny's mom, Prudy, shows up. She is a witch of a woman who some of her personal stains need pounding with a rock. I have to tell you, every time a new character enters and we see, like, the famous actor who plays them kind of make, like, the grand entrance, mm-hmm. I'm, like, gobsmacked every single time. When Amanda Bynes shows up, I'm like, oh my god, that's Amanda Bynes. When Zac Efron pops out at the end of Nice Kids in Town, I'm like... Oh my god, that's Zac Efron. Like, one right after the... Britney Snow, John Travolta, Allison Janney. Like, all of these people that I had forgotten were, like, in this film who are now fixtures in my life. <laughs> <laughs> They're all such good choices. I love that our Nikki Blonsky discovery happens in this film. I love that our Tracy is an unknown. And I love that she's a fat girl. That's so important to this story. As a fellow fat girl, also jazzy on that. It's so, so important. Nikki Blonsky is a fat actress. That's really great. John Travolta (laughs) is not a fat actress, and he is in a fat suit. He's not even a fat actor. No, uh, he's in a fat suit, and that's not good. It's not okay. Yeah, they could have, I think, which they've done before. They've hired fat actors to play that character. Absolutely. The mom character. And I know that, like, John Travolta has draw, name, blah, blah, blah. Sure. And I understand that this is a... But there are larger actors who did play the role originally that could have been pulled for this. And I know that this is a drag role and there is a certain amount of, like, body illusion contouring involved in drag. So the actor doesn't necessarily need to be the shape that the character is. Right. But the whole, like, prosthetic neck, it just feels like a misstep, and I think we would be remiss not to mention it. Do I think John Travolta does a good job in this role? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Do I think he should have worn a fat suit for the show? No. If you were really committed, you would have just gained weight. Yeah. Ah, that's what I'm saying. Grab a a box of donuts and a fucking milkshake, you poser. (laughs) So Prudy enters and (laughs) she is essentially shaming Edna for allowing Tracy to watch this television show. And she's like, well, my daughter is much better than that. She's not. She's literally hiding behind the couch, Prudy, but okay. Then it's found out that Penny's behind there and... Prudy's like, you need to go. You're not allowed to have anything in your life anymore because having nothing builds character. (laughs) I love that line. So from there, we kind of see a bit of the show again and we meet Velma. Yes. And again, another perfect entrance. Michelle Pfeiffer is so acidically excellent for this role. Acidically excellent is the correct way of saying that. I mean, she just... I think Brittany Snow as Amber is also the perfect choice because I think sometimes there's this tendency to cast really mean actors as villains and then we end up hating the actor. But everybody loves Brittany Snow, so I feel like we landed in a good place with her where like you can really safely hate the villain 
because you know that the actor playing them is a charming, genuine, good person. I mean, the casting choices are all so good. So we see Velma, who literally says under her breath, we're going to steer these kids in the white direction. Yeah, I mean, saying the quiet part loud. She's not afraid. Wish she was, but she's not. She's not. And this whole time, we also get to see Amber in her true colors, kind of like shoving people out of the way of the camera, all of this kind of stuff. So we get a vibe for them too. Then we get the briefest snippet of It Takes Two. Justice for It Takes Two. I know. It's in my audition book. I love that number. It's so good. So like the next day at school happens, Tracy and Penny are looking at the TV through like a shop window or yeah. whatever, like an electronic shop. And they find out during this <laughs> that one of the cast members of the Corny Collins show is pregnant, but we find out in this really weird way where he's like, all right, Brenda, how long are you leaving us? Just, Just nine, nine months. months. Like, <laughs> we're trying to find someone who's <laughs> free loving, but not as free wheeling. Yeah, There's something free, wheel- free wheeling, but not as free loving. Uh, that's what it, okay. I think. It's something, it's something <laughs> like that. And so there's going to be an audition at WYZT for that. Tracy flips out and is like, oh my God, I have to audition. She runs home, talks to her parents. Guys, I'm going to audition for this. Her mom is like, no, absolutely not. Want to know why? You're a fat child. Sit down and eat a donut. <laughs> and you ought to be ashamed. You you should be. Have you, you know no what? shame? You're gonna you're gonna inherit Edna's Occidental Laundry. Which, <laughs> by the way, that name kills me. I think it's so Occidental. clever. Occidental. Yeah, like accidents, because like you need stains taken out. Yeah. But like, but like oxygenated bleach. Oh my god, I did not get the first part of that. Yeah, yeah, because there's two different kinds of bleach. There's oxygenated bleach, and then there's the other kind. Chlorinated? Chlorine bleach and oxygenated bleach, maybe? I forget what the other kind is, but... You could um, tell me anything right now and be like, oh my god, (laughs) fascinating. Yeah, but there's two different kinds, so it's like a fun play on words. Gotcha. Her dad now walks in. Oi... The walk-in of it all. <laughs> Christopher Walken walks in. He is the one casting choice that I'm like kind of on the fence about in this movie. I low-key love him though. By the end, I do I do genuinely come around on yeah. it. But like, it's a choice. So Edna's like, you're going to inherit my laundry business. You're not going to be a show person. Calm down. And Wilbur walks in and is just like, what's going on, kid? She's like, mom's not letting me do nothing I want to. He's like, that sounds like a great idea. You should do it. Do you really want to do it? More than anything. Then you should. Before we move on from Christopher Walken, I do <laughs> I do want to discuss real quick the wigs of it all because we get a close-up, like we get a real close shot and more than likely it was fixed digitally in post, but like we get a, cl- a close shot of uh, Christopher Walken's hairline. And I'll tell you what, it is not Christopher Walken's hairline, that's for sure, but it's real good. We get right up on it and you can't see even an inch of lace and I just know it's fake. <laughs> We're talking about anything. John Travolta's accent. <laughs> what, what is, is it? What? I don't know. I don't know because no one else, no one else in this entire movie talks like that. I, I wish I could answer truthfully, but I just don't it's know. It's like him trying to be a woman, but like failing. Like, yeah, I, I don't, don't, I don't know. Just, it's just, so just bizarre. use your, just use your voice. I Tracy Turnblad. The neighbors haven't seen me since I was a size 10. <laughs> 
Like, what is it? It's like some weird but I suppose, Texas, not Texas something. I, I suppose know. maybe he felt he had to do some sort of character voice because the role was made famous by, like, Divine, Harvey Firestein, like, you know, people who have iconic character voices. So maybe he felt inclined to? Maybe. Maybe he was told. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was like a creative decision that they were like, we need you to have, we need a voice. It right. can't be your voice. It has to be a voice. I don't know. So she skips school, which by the way, every single time they film this show or shoot the show or whatever, these kids are skipping school. I know. All of Tracy's classmates who are in the show are just like getting a free pass. I guess later on, Link says something about being in this show for the past three years. And I'm like, you're just 86 in school. <laughs> I know that there's a line in... In the nicest kids in town. Yeah, where they're like, yeah. You'll never get to college, but you'll sure look good. And truly, isn't <laughs> fame better than a four-year degree? It was the 60s. We didn't know any <laughs> Who needs a GED when you've got industry money, you know? I suppose. Fast forward audition time. hey Miss Baltimore Crabs. I love this number so much. Which is, it's such a good villain song. It's definitely a double entendre, Oh, if you obviously. Because um, fun fact... I was like looking it up because I was like, why the fuck is it Baltimore Crabs? Because usually like Wisconsin would maybe have Butter Queen or something, right, you right. know? Um, so it's because Baltimore was is known for crab cakes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I kind of assumed Miss Baltimore Crabs was a branding decision. Like she was like the queen of the crabs in Baltimore. Not in a sexual way, but in like a seafood way. <laughs> <laughs> but and then obviously like... She brags about sleeping with all the judges, so it's obviously the sexual double entendre, but um, I guess that makes sense. I didn't know they were known for crab cakes. Yeah. Want to go to Baltimore? I don't like seafood, but thank you for asking. That's not what I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> you can go, you can sing the song, I'll have crab cakes, and it'll be a great time. That actually checks a lot of boxes for me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. I'm on board. We show up, audition. She is... Uh, taking the kids that are currently there through a dance, which I'm sure is like a combo that they're maybe going to teach the sure. people for auditioning. We go through this really epic villain song and Velma gets very odd with these teenage boys. Yeah, it's uncomfy. Very uncomfortable. Um, And they just come over. All of them are like several of them are talking shit at these people who are here to audition. Mm -hmm. Tracy obviously being one of them. We get towards the end of the number and Velma asks Tracy, what do you think about, uh, would you swim in an integrated pool? I believe is the line. And Tracy's like, I'm all for integration. It's It's the new new frontier. frontier. And Velma's like, "Mm, not in Baltimore. It's not. And it's like, oh, Okay. Okay. Well, I think history may prove you wrong, but if that's how you feel... You are entitled to your wrong opinion. (laughs) She kicks her out. She's like, okay, well, you were fat, so wasn't gonna probably cast you anyway. Looks like maybe you can dance, but you like black people, so I need you to leave. Like, it's pretty clear cut and very straightforward of her. Yeah. So Tracy gets back to school. Right. Sneaks in, gets written up, sent to detention. This is where we meet... Sheweed. I have swoon written in all capital letters. <gasps> I love him so much. He's, he's so, so dreamy. He's so hot. He sings so well. He dances like a dream. Seaweed be my husband. So she comes in, meets the gang. Seaweed teaches her Peyton Place at Midnight, which is a dance move that he's come up with. Right. They are very shocked by how cool Tracy is and how she can dance and move. So they do a little fun dance. And then Link comes in. 
Because he, like, sees her <laughs> dancing, and she, like, smacks her ass and is like, I'm just so bad. Yeah, because he, like, stalls in the doorway, and she's dancing and having a good time. Yeah. So he pops his head in, and she is embarrassed all to hell. Which, right. same. He's like, hey, by the way, Corny is hosting a hop. Why don't you come down, show him your dance moves, and I'm sure he'd put you on the show. She's like, oh my god, Link is talking to me. I might die. Then they're leaving. School's done, or it's the next period, or whatever. And he bumps into her. And then she just goes, like, goo-goo, dreaming eyes. Like, oh my god, he touched me. Hope I didn't dent your do. Sorry, little darling. Hope I didn't dent your do. I love that line. Yeah, it's so good. So then... We have, I can hear the bells, and she's just, like, completely phased out, disassociating into the ether. Penny's there and is like, Tracy, what's going on? And at one point, she fully flops her hand, like, Penny's hand onto her breast. Yeah, it's just, like, <laughs> chilling there. And she's, in the like, hallway. she's in Goo Goo Gaga musical she's theater gone. land. She's in the middle of a song. She's in a number. She's gone. And Penny is still, like, very much, like, in the hallway of a high school, like, surrounded by her peers. The disconnect is so funny. Essentially, we see them, it must not be the end of the school day, because we see them go through multiple classes, like driver's right, ed, right, the rest of the whatever. school day. We get different scenes that really also help set the period of teachers smoking in the teacher's lounge. Right. There's smoking in the bathroom going on, you know, different things like yeah. that. And we're clipping through locations and really getting a chance to see, like, I think dressing these sets must have been such a fun time. Because again, it's like down to like pencils and like chalkboard eraser brands. Like it's so specific. Dunn did a good job dressing Right, it's this. really great. I always remember um, hating I Can Hear the Bells in the original Broadway cast recording, but I had a lot of fun watching it this time. I don't know if that's just like a, like I grew up and have new taste or what, but I really liked this number this time around, which is like <laughs> a new thing for me. There is this portion of this number where Zac Efron... Zac Efron? Why did I say it like Zac that? Efron. Zac Efron. Zac Efron. Mm, Zac Efron. Licks his hand yes. to wipe it through his hair. And I literally have in my notes, I would like to be Zac Efron's hand. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh. So... So freaking good. From here, we hop forward to the... uh, We hop forward to the hop. We're hopping to the hop. And when we get there, we see that Link is up singing with the band. The dance floor is split in two. The black students are on one side. The white students are on another. Right. The hop is segregated. Yes. Tracy shows up, sees Seaweed, runs over to him, and is like, oh my god, hi, my friend. Let's dance together. Let's dance. And he's like, we can't do that. We need to stay on our own sides of the rope, because I'm sure that he has, he's like, I know for a fact I'm going to be the one to get in trouble for this. White friends pay attention, because that's how this whole thing works. Yeah. She's like, but you, we have to show Corny the dance that you taught me. And he's like, why don't you take it, borrow it for a while, so that way you can get on the show, all that kind of fun stuff. So she goes out while Zac Efron is singing Lady's Choice, which... (gasps) Again, fantastic number. This was the number that they wrote for the show. They wrote it for the movie, right? Such a good addition. Such a good choice. I mean, I'm literally, I'm like starting to blush. (laughs) I love that number so much. I do too. When I was like in middle school, I was like, oh my God, every single human in this movie is hot as hell. 
They're all talented. They're all like vibing on each other. There's gyrating. I just don't know what to do with myself. Maybe that's why we connected with it as a as a group of uh, sexually ambivalent young teens. Young queer teens? Yeah. Yeah. Might have been it. Might have been it. <laughs> so she does the dance, catches Link's attention for sure, but also, also catches Corny's and he's like, heck yeah, flash forward. We have got nicest kids in town Repris. Penny is bolting towards the Turnblad residence, screaming their names down the street. Running through moving traffic. Which, like, I get the sentiment, but I'm like, you're not really doing anything by screaming their name running down the street. No, they can't hear you, girl. And again, like, I get the sentiment, but like, my God. Right. So she arrives at their residence and she's taking them upstairs. You have to watch the show. You have to watch the show. Edna says something about, I don't really believe he's up there, which is a reference to John Glenn. John Glenn is an astronaut and he is like the first person to orbit the earth. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. She's like, I just don't believe he's really up there. And Penny's like, it's not John Glenn, Mrs. Turnblad. Turns it on. Who is it? Tracy Turnblad. She made the show. I think this is a really good use of the medium of film, the like showing of her. And I think they do that a lot in in this movie, where they do a good mix of live theater with TV and radio and the medium of film. We're kind of shown things in a myriad of ways and they continuously kind of blend back and forth into one another. And I think this example of her mom watching her on TV where they reveal that she's on the show, I just thought it was a really clever use of all of these different technologies that are evolving and really crucial to the plot. Especially because it flips like when she's watching her on the TV, it's black and white. And then as soon as we pop to the soundstage... Obviously, it's in color because they're in person. Right, but and that's we're back a cool in real thing life, that they but, do. Yeah, but all of these things still exist within the world that they've created. I just thought it was re- a really well-handled use of the medium of cinema. I hate Tracy's bangs. <laughs> I mean, is there anything to like about them? I don't and like her, like her like ice the, cream, like, her like vanilla ice cream highlights. Yeah, they're like, they're... I don't like them. I think that's fair. I've read somewhere on the internet that like the more she gains self-confidence and the more she's standing up for herself and her friends, the more highlights she gets. Huh. To represent... Her light in the world? Integration? And the of her hair? Right. I, yeah, whatever. I mean, I don't, okay. I don't get it. I, if you want it to be symbolism, it's, it's symbolism. Sure. It's not for me. It's just really ugly, personally. <laughs> At the end end of the dance number or end of the episode or something corny is interviewing tracy as like the newest council member or whatever he's like what do you want to be and she's like going through this list of like i want to be a rockette or the first woman president i think that every day should be the day where like all of the black cast gets their shot right we should integrate the station is essentially what she's saying. Right. The people behind the camera, namely Velma and the station, station owner, owner, flips out and he says, I want that chubby, chubby communist, communist girl. my show. Oh my lanta. And the way that he says it, he like shakes his jowls. So um, then after the show wraps, Corny approaches Velma and is like, and the station manager, I believe, is there too. And is like, why don't we just, this is the way this is going. Why don't we mix the kids? It just, let's do it. And they both are like, get fucking bent, Corny. We'll get a new host. 
because that's what they did on Lassie, which is a dog. Right. Not the same thing, but thank you for valuing me. He's Corny Collins, and it's called The Corny Collins Show. Best of luck, though. I mean, I guess. So then we hop into The New Girl in Town. This kind of plays under while other things are happening and then also pops back up. So essentially what this song is doing is the white kids sing it because they stole it from the black kids that sing it later on. Who wrote wrote the damn song? (laughs) And that's that's stated later. Velma gets really pissed with Maybelle Mm -hmm. and is like, why are they singing this song? How freaking dare you? And she's like, they literally wrote it. Eat a dick, Velma. I don't know what you want from me about that. Maybelle is not afraid and brava for her. (laughs) Before that, still during this song, we see that Tracy is getting a lot of love from the fans. And a lot of publicity for the station. And she's making the station manager a shitload of money. Right. So he's actually cool with the chubby communist girl for now because money reigns supreme. So because of Tracy and Seaweed and all of them, detention has become really cool. So everyone's trying to get in. Penny arrives and then they let Penny in and then Penny and Seaweed meet for the first time. And they're both like just gobsmacked. Oh, it's magical. Star-crossed lovers. So after all of this, head back to the Turnblad residence. Tracy, actually Tracy's mom, gets a phone call. Turns out it's Mr. Pinky from Mr. Pinky's Hefty Hideaway. Wants Tracy to be his spokesgirl. They get super jazzed. Tracy talks her mom, even though she hasn't left the home, like their house in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Talks her mom into being her agent. Please come down to the shop with me. And then we get Welcome to the 60s. Yes. So mom hasn't left the house since 1951. We get this really great Greek chorus that kind of follows us through this number. Yeah. So they're like animated on like a billboard billboard on the side of a building. They're on a bench. They're on. And throughout this song, we get nifty little snippets of the time. You know, like, no seat belts, kids are jumping all over in cars, pregnant women are cheersing each other with martinis because they felt their baby kick <laughs> while sm- taking a long drag off a cigarette. Again, I mean, every single detail is in place. Every hemline, every tie. This movie visually is absolutely breathtaking. It's overwhelming. It's so, so cool. Speaking- and it just gets worse as we get into the glamour of this number. Oof. The sequins, the, I mean, it's, it's... It's glamour, mama. Speaking of ties, we arrive at Mr. Pinky's. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and Jerry Stiller is wearing this wolf tie. It this has to weird, be his. This weird, like, tie-dyed wolf tie. I hope it's his. I hope it's his from the 60s. It's his gotta be Jerry Stiller's closet. tie. I just... It, phenomenal. So they're going over numbers, Edna and Mr. Pinky, and she just gets businesswoman well she owns right a business off. right but she's like she's uniquely way... qualified to kind of handle the ins and outs of of these business dealings right and it's it's something that we haven't seen though yeah this kind her. of this uh, business acumen yes and she's like no we don't want this we don't want this we want this and you're going to pay me and then they get that fun little bustier moment together and he's like i've hit the mother load Flattery um, will not distract me. Turn agent. agent. 
we get this really cool makeover montage also. This whole time this number is happening. Yeah. Just like it's low underplaying, jump up singing. Edna and Tracy end up in these really cute like mother-daughter pink sequin dresses. Yeah. And I really love it. This is the other Barbara reference when Tracy comes out with like the the beehive with like the flowers pinned into it. Mm, mm -hmm. That's also a Barbara Streisand reference. I think they're both funny girl references, but I'm not 100% sure. I know I'm pretty sure this one is a funny girl reference. I think the dump truck is as well, but I, I would have to double check. Tweet at us if you know. So from here, they leave. We get a really cool like dance number in the streets there's fireworks there's glam there's freaking dancing for so long it does make me wonder how many broadway credits there are like in the ensemble of this movie because the ensemble throughout the film they sing like a dream and they are hoofing it constantly constantly even even when they even when there's talking over the dancing they're still dancing full out the entire time. Yeah, that happens it's in a few different times. Spectacular dancing. It's so, so good. So then from here, they go get a little celebratory pie. Then we run into the Von Tuschels. Right. And we get a little verbal tussle. That was good. Thank you. <clears throat> I try. They very passive aggressively are like, oh, you think you're cute. You're well, really fucking ugly and fat and hideous. You'll stop traffic. There is a moment in this scene where um, John Travolta in this like gorgeous, glamorous, all done up pink lipstick sequence hair done up moment mm-hmm. picks up a like a fork full of pie. And I don't know if they just only contracted people to do John Travolta from the elbow up. But John Travolta has the manliest forearm in this moment. It's from washing all those clothes by it hand. It must be. Oof. Could we have gotten some foundation on the back of the hands? No. It's a little startling. I Yeah. <laughs> Edna is obviously very upset. And she's like, you can't do this show anymore. And there's like this whole thing between her and Tracy. Tracy mm-hmm. ends up going to school the next day. Amber is spreading a lot of rumors about her and like sleeping with the whole football team and da 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 whatever. Link is like, Amber, stop being such a twat. And she's like, whatever, get over it. Tracy ends up getting sent to detention because Amber makes it out that she's been making fun of the teacher for his body. Which, like, out of everyone there, you really think Tracy's the one? But fine. Whatever. So she gets sent to detention. Link stands up and also gets sent to detention. Because what does he say? He says, uh, kiss my ass. I was, yeah, I was gonna say, he says something It's really... something about Caesar's famous last words or something. And he's like, tell us what that is. And he's like, kiss my ass. And then he gets his pink slip. Yep, to detention. So they both go. Link tries to, like, join in on the dancing fun right away. Oof. And he is just... Just inserting himself. And it's... He is just whitey white white. Very, very (laughs) awkward. Does not introduce himself. Just jumps in to dance with this girl. And she's like, uh, hello? And he's, like, he's stiffer than everybody else dancing in the room. And, like, very clearly, like, not in his element. And, like... Trying really hard to me. He's probably, for the first time in a long time, not the most talented person in the room. Yeah. And it jumps right out. So they all get invited, because Penny's there too. They all get invited to a platter party over at the Stubbs residence. Mm -hmm. So Seaweed's 
mom's place. They start run and tell that. This number is so good. It's so good. And there's references of like with this, um, specifically this number and when they arrive at the Stubbs residence, the white kids are like, are we going to be safe? And they're like, you're Girl, fine. of course you're going to be safe. Shut up. You're fine. Maybell says later on at one point, she says, we have more to be worried about when we're on your street. Right. Like, calm down. Obviously. Right. They start this number... Just phenomenal vocals, dancing, so good. We meet little Inez, which is oh my god, seaweed sister. The fact that this vocal power comes out of an actual 14-year-old is wild to me. Taylor Parks is a fucking star. Just kicking it in the teeth. Yeah. They get on the bus to head towards the Stubbs home. They are doing like choreo on the bus, like swinging through poles in between the seats and different stuff like that. A lot of really cool shots and use of space using a school bus of all things. Yeah. So then we get off the bus. We're wrapping up the number. (laughs) Seaweed like kisses his hand, like two fingers and presses it to Penny's lips and she just faints, just falls ass over tea kettle backwards. I mean, me too, Penny. Same. Me too. Same. (laughs) So we start to get the theme of this, of Big Blonde and Beautiful playing underneath. We have the Von Tussles, like Amber's freaking out because Link left with Tracy and Seaweed and all of them. Velma says, I'll take care of it. There's this like monochrome moment though when they're in their home where their like, home is scary their, their hair is the same color as their dresses is the same color as the sheets as the paint on the walls as the cat like it's very their houses i mean it's, it's very it's, villain it's very <laughs> musical theater it's very camp it's so <laughs> it's delightful from there we head to the record store slash stubs home right where uh, that motormouth Maybell owns runs. Presumably, like that's all right. her space. And we get into Big Blonde and Beautiful. So actually, a lot of the dancing up front is dirty dancing. Sure. And fun fact, the movie Dirty Dancing was set in 1963. So they're, they're So we're right on track. Yeah. They're right in the same time frame. It was like a very big form of dance, quote unquote, underground dance. Sure. Miss Maybell comes out and is like singing, sees the kids and is like, oh, my children are home with a bunch of white kids. Who are you? (laughs) I have not seen you before. So he goes through, introduces everybody and then gets to Penny. And the way that he says her name tells Miss Maybell everything she needs to know. She's like, so you like her? Okay. Right. All right. Okay. At some point, Amber calls Edna and is like, this is Mike. In like a really poor, right. you know, <laughs> like your daughter is in a hotbed of moral turpentine. <laughs> you better, you better haul ass, you know, and go get her. How would you define moral turpentine, do you suppose? Moral turpentine? Yeah. Isn't turpentine like something that like... It's like a bitter liquid. Is it? Yeah. To me, for some reason, like paint thinner. Like it was was something that like takes paint off of things in my head. So I was like, wow, she is in a vat of moral bad goo. 
I imagine moral turpentine would be um, would be the stuff that Mary Poppins pours out of her little bottle. The stuff that like changes flavors every time she pours it. That's in my head. That's what moral turpentine is because turpentine's a liquid. So if oh, you're talking about like very, is very turpentine different. that is morally accurate, I think that's what it is. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Tracy is talking to Link and is like, "Aren't you worried of what Amber's gonna say?" And he's like, "Nah, I'm cool with it." It's very, like, cover-up wink-wink, like, oh my god, do you like me? Are you here with me because fuck Amber? And he's like, maybe. It's very people-pleasy in that moment. Yes, yeah. Edna essentially kicks down the door and comes in as just spazzing out all over the place. Right. Turns out Tracy's middle name is Edna. Tracy Edna Turnblad, yeah. I do want to say, before we get too far past Big Blonde and Beautiful... That one of the few critiques I have about this movie is that it does at times try to conflate the fat experience with the black experience. And while admittedly there is overlap between those two, especially when you consider physical attributes that are either like praised or not in society, I just want to, as two white podcasters, I just want us to be clear that those are not the same experience. No. In the same way that we are both queer podcasters and we understand oppression we do not understand the black experience. Those things are not the same. And I do feel at some, some points in this musical that they try to kind of like make them the same thing that like, Oh, the like Tracy relates to the black kids because she too has been, you know, unfairly judged for her physical appearance as if like being fat and white is just as bad as being black in the 1960s or ever. Or but like, ever. <laughs> specifically in this historical context, I just I just wanted to make the note before we move away from it. This song title in particular kind of rubs me the wrong way. Not that it makes this an ineffective story. It's just a note. Edna comes in and then Tracy is like, Mom, this is Link. And Link winks and this drives me nuts. <laughs> so this whole, this whole movie, Link is constantly like, this is Link. With a wink. Yeah, wink he and does a click. The wink. And, and a click. It's never just a, it's a. Right. Every time. And it's like, no when that may or may not be appropriate. Like, this mom is obviously super pissed. And she just walked in and saw that your arms were around her daughter. Right. And you're going to wink at the mom. And you're like, on her. You're like, hey, I'm cool and slick. Like, oh, God, it drives me nuts. So she's like, you need to get out of here. This is ridiculous. Blah, 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 blah. Maybelle comes over and really smooths this over. And she's like, <laughs> what if you just grabbed a snack? Grabbed a bite. <laughs> and like, there's this whole smorgasbord of food because again, this is a platter party. Right. Oh my God. The food looks so good. I'm so hungry. <laughs> anyway, Edna calms down, gets herself a plate. We have a continuation of the number and it's and it's a gay old time. Edna asks, what are they celebrating? And Maybelle is like, this is more of an ending because the one day a month that we got on this television show, we no longer get. We get this really like heartbreaking moment of little Inez being so upset because she's like, I have practiced my ass off. I have worked so hard. So that way when I am of appropriate age to be on the show, which I'm sure she's coming up on based off of other timing things. She's like, oh my gosh, why? I literally 
what the fuck? And all of the kids are really upset. Maybell's upset. And Tracy, Tracy is headless. Like throughout she this is. throughout this whole film, she is just fully headless in regards to what's going on in the world. Because she sees the consequences of if they took a stand as like a, well then if they take a stand and they they don't get what they want, then that's just what happens. There are more dire consequences that can happen. Right. And she just does not get that because as like a, what, 16-year-old yeah. white chick in Baltimore, she's not had to worry about anything other than someone just telling her no. Right. I think there's even a line somewhere in here about like, what were you sleeping during history class again? Yes. Yeah. Oh, because she's like, well, why can't you guys just come and dance with us? Oh, Yeah. And they're like, black people and white people have never danced together on TV. She's like, okay, well, why don't we just march? And this is the other thing that I see as a flaw in this movie, is that there's a whole category of films where, like, race is the topic. Mm -hmm. And a white person ends up being the person who solves the problem. White savior stories are inherently, like, bad and take away agency from black folks who are trying to support themselves and create their own movement and their own structures to support equal rights for themselves. So when white people kind of take that narrative and say, you can have rights because white people solved your problem or white people, you know what I mean? Like, the fact that she's the hero of this story and is the one who comes up with the idea to march in my opinion, is a misstep. Um, and it could have been a really simple line change about like somebody else suggests the march and Tracy says that she'll support them and mar march with them and nothing else in the plot would have had to change. Um, but then, of course, this is... When you look at who the Broadway audience is and who audiences are for music movie musicals typically, it's very largely like affluent white people. So at the same time that I do think that white savior stories are bad you have to know that like this is a story being given to white people and shouldn't the story about supporting black people and making room for them in structures and in representation shouldn't that be like a good thing so it's got pros and cons but ultimately i think it's uh, it's a it's going to be a, a mark against it in my opinion it could have been handled differently and it would have been really easy i think so they decide that they're going to go ahead and march and they are going to do it during like the 11 o'clock news hour, they're going to meet at, you know, a, a church in their area and they're going to march down to the news station and protest. During this time, Tracy goes up to Lincoln is super excited and is like, yay, aren't you ready? You're like, da da da, whatever. He's like, no, like, I Tracy, can't. I've worked really hard. This is an opportunity for me. And if I do this, I will lose this opportunity. Right, because he's been on this show for three years, and right. they have agents coming to, like, yeah. the Miss Hairspray pageant, and da da, -da he, like, whatever. he, like, breaks it to her so gently, and I have written down in all caps, No, Link, don't do it! it you were so close to doing the right thing, like, don't turn back now! And he says something about how this adventure is getting a little too big for me. And she takes it right, right personal just straight straight to her heart yeah then they the turnbloods head home before this we get velma who's like getting ready to do something nefarious like while this scene is happening interspersed yeah like she she starts the getting ready process then once they get home edna starts getting ready right 
She's getting ready for a man. Sends Tracy off to bed and then she does that really funny thing where she like oh. hits the wall and like bounces into her bedroom. Yes. Um, Velma shows up at the Hardy Har Hut, which is Tracy's dad's business. Yeah. And she's hitting on Wilbur. Who is absolutely just as headless as Tracy. That must be where she gets it from. <laughs> and she's trying to get him to sleep with her or to be caught or right. something trying to stage some kind of affair so that way tracy gets pulled off the show because her mom right you know because velma can't do it because she's making so much money for the station right she'd get canned if she let tracy go edna gets all ready this is like big blonde and beautiful reprise she heads down to the shop to seduce her husband and finds velma's there edna flips the freak out and tells Tracy, you're not allowed to go on that show ever again. Mm-hmm. So what Velma sought to do, she did. Tracy comes down to talk to her dad and is like, I'm not sure what to do with my life, with Link, with this march. Mom is upset. He's like, kid, if you know in your gut and in your heart that this is correct, you need to follow that and do that. You rah-rah, Wilbur. I mean, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like Christopher Walken was vocally maybe not the right choice for this, but he's so endearing in this role. Wilbur is so earnest and sweet. And I think Christopher Walken was absolutely like the tender touch needed for the role. Yeah. Tracy gives her dad a key because mom changed all the locks. Here, dad, here's a key. Fix shit with mom. Right. Then we get timeless to me. Oh, I love this number. I say that about every number, but I love this number. Well, it's so cute. They're talking about things that would technically, like, maybe be bad. Like, you're a stinky old cheese. But you're just getting better with age. You know, like, different different things like that that are... The word for that this song is endearing. It really is. And we get this nice little dance number on... Like a roof or fire escape or something. It's on the roof. Of the it's building, on the yeah. roof. They do this cute little, cute little number. We get like these two scene, like the the moment with the weird sheet. Right. Yeah, the CGI <laughs> sheet that flies across. It's like the one like special effect in the movie that I'm like, that was cheap and dumb. Yeah. So we get these, like, we get, like, a tango scene, and then we get, like, a Fred and Ginger scene. Yeah, and, oh, my God, and and Edna wears that gorgeous, like, sequin mermaid gown. Oh, like that weird white-blue number? Yeah, and it's got the feathers on the bottom. Yes. So I looked into this dress to see, like, what the bottom of of this mermaid gown was made out of, because I saw it and was like, oh, my gosh, that num that amount of feathers had to be so expensive. It's probably marabou. Like, it can't be ostrich. Ostrich would have been outrageously expensive. expensive. Marabou is, like, the next step down. They use it in all kinds of Broadway productions. So I was like, I wonder if it's Marabou. So I looked it up, and absolutely the bottom third of that gown is ostrich feathers. Oh. Uh, how decadent. I, I just, oh, oh, I'd love a good ostrich feather. <laughs> I love a good gown. And this one did it for me. I think, I think they should have kissed. I agree. At the end of the number... Cute little peck. Even a peck on the cheek. Like, there right. wasn't there wasn't A any... kiss on the hand, a kiss on the cheek, something. There's, like, some weird, like, under-the-chin scratching. <laughs> After that night, they've made up. Edna goes into Tracy's bedroom, and it's like, Tracy, we made up. 
And then Tracy's not in bed because she's already disappeared. Disappeared. She's left for the march is what happened. Right. Um, then we get, I know where I've been, which is one of the most moving. I'm getting glossy. One of the most moving numbers. I mean, talk about an anthem. There's like this beautiful, like soprano up over top Queen Latifah And just also, if you get a chance, listen to Jennifer Hudson's rendition of this. Oof, from the the live NBC musical. So this song is very powerful and really stirs something within you watching it. Jennifer Hudson, though, just will kick you in the gut. It's... (laughs) I keep saying it's so good, but that's kind of like... But it is, though. It is. It is. And it, and it deserves that. And what a travesty that we are 40 years later, 60 years later, still marching like this. What a travesty that when this movie came out, that's what I meant, 40 years later. Oh, from when the movie came right. out. I'm sorry. I mean, all this time and we're still doing this. We get this single tear moment from <sighs> Queen Latifah that just, it... Breaks your heart. You can't tell me that that was planned or that that was like... Just to me, it read so much so as like a, that was her really connecting with the art that she was doing in the moment and was just like, fucking A, this is I mean, I can't imagine being a black actress who had made so much headway in the industry like Queen Latifah and to be able to sing this song and like commit it to film forever. I can't even imagine what kind of emotional place that would put you in. And then we get, (laughs) we get. Edna. <laughs> oh, Edna. Showing up and she is trying to pull her daughter out of this. And it's like, you can't. And, you know, whatever. And she just, the there's a guy there that just, like, hooks his arm with hers. And he's like, yeah, Tracy's mom, you're with us, too. This is great. Then they get to the station where they're, there's a police barricade. Right. They're met with police. There's a police barricade, there's news stations, all of that kind of stuff. Maybell is talking to, like, the head police officer that's there. Calmly. Very calm. She's like, is there a reason we are protesting peacefully? Can we please just pass through? And he just kind of ends up wa- telling her to get bent and turns and walks away. Right, he turns around and... And then Tracy, being the headless white girl she is... Is like, hey, she's talking to you. And like kind of like taps him on the head with the poster she's carrying. Right, with like the, like the picket sign that she's got. And Maybell is oh. like, Tracy! God fucking damn it. No. Nope. Not how you handle this. And he's like, oh my god, you just assaulted a police officer. And it goes from zero to a thousand. If there's one thing Tracy has, it's the audacity. It is the audacity. So... The police are now, like, trying to get people to, like, take them into prison, <laughs> arrest them. There's and Edna whole, goes full Edna mama bear mode, just, just becomes a wall and just, an like... An entire wall and is, like, gonna fight police officers with her bosom. Like, it is, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Tracy runs off and she ends up running to Penny's house. So this is, a this is like, one of the major differences from the stage musical because in the stage musical, Tracy goes to jail. Oh! And there's like a, a song when they sing... Without Love? Without Love. Oh, so she's singing from there and not from Penny's Basement. Right, they do Without Love like through the bars of a jail cell. Oh. 
Yeah. Okay. Which they don't do here. And I, I maybe it was like a sightline thing. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, but who like... knows? Tracy runs to her friend's house. Prudy is like, aren't you glad that I don't have you being friends with her anymore? Go She's pray for her. She's a sinner. <laughs> yeah. Then Penny hides Tracy in this bomb shelter. <laughs> Uh, this like cold war yeah it has like russian language books in it right there's gas masks the whole magilla prudy ends up coming down and catching them locks tracy in her basement and takes penny upstairs and ties her to her bed with a jump rope rigs her right up which by the way with those knots prudy was doing homegirl's done this before not her first ball game no (laughs) and starts playing like some christian music and like throws holy water at her daughter and it's like this whole thing so fun fact about all the little like records that play in the background or like the songs that play on the radio that aren't like numbers in the in the in the movie um all the little background music that we hear was recorded by other people on the team so like producers directors people people who weren't in the cast but worked on the on the movie are the ones singing all those songs. That is so cool. Uh, Yeah, again, it really feels that everybody loved this project and wanted in on some little bit of it. And it sowed so much like extra care and love into the little bits. I love that about this movie. That is, I did not know that, but I love that I know that now. That's what this podcast is all about. Loving and learning. Speaking of love, Link also shows up at the Turnblad residence. Throughout this whole chunk of time we get random snippets of the news and they just take what tracy did and just (laughs) blow it up it becomes a bit like it keeps getting more and more exaggerated it's like oh my god she bludgeoned an eagle scout (laughs) um so link shows up and he's talking to edna and he's like i can't sleep i can't eat (gasps) you can't eat come in i'll make you some pork like there's just like what a weird you know it's what? how i handle problems you too. know what let me feed you it'll be a great time let's worry and eat it'll be it'll be great so he comes in enters tracy's bedroom and starts looking around at all of our stuff then we get going to penny's house seaweed crawls in through the window what a heartthrob. Uh, Here I mean, he is again. I literally have Dreamy written next to his name in all of my notes. It's because he's so dreamy. He's the perfect hero. I just love him. No notes. <laughs> and when we're actually going back, when we're at the Turnblad residence, Wilbur talks about the fact that he bailed out 20 people yeah. that got arrested from that. Which, like, correct thing to do. Also, your daughter caused it. So, right. like... Hey, white people, put your money where your mouth is. Seaweed has a switchblade. When he, flicks it out to, like, cut the rope off of her, I'm like... <gasps> I don't... He's just so hot. Everything he does... Does he have a switchblade? Yeah. Doesn't that's he, how like, he... struggle with the knots? He struggles with the knots, but then he, like, has a switchblade and, like, cuts the rope off. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They, like, like, make out real good. It's, like, a whole thing. They're leaving to go run away, figure out where the hell hell they're going to go. We're singing without love at this point. They get Tracy out of the basement. Link is making out with Tracy's picture in her bedroom. (laughs) He like makes out with a candy bar at one point. At one point, just macking on a candy bar. And it really shows kind of like the juxtaposition between what is considered a true problem for each of the kids. 
So like seaweed is talking about like not getting invited to prom, not getting to like do these like important life things. And Link is like, what if I get my big break and I get laryngitis? Like they're, you know. What if I can't afford my favorite 45 record? Oh, boo. What like, if I'm not seen as a full human in the eyes of the law? Like <laughs> the, the, the law, the people that I interact with on a daily basis. Right. Like putting their problems. I mean, it's fun and bubbly and lyrical and, and truly I really love without love. It's like, it's yeah. Top probably top three numbers from this show for me but mm-hmm. like but yeah the whole like white problems and black problems are different uh uh when you stack them next to each other mm-hmm. <laughs> um by the way amanda Bynes, um for someone who has not ever sung before oh she's killing it professionally i think she's doing a bang up job she does a really good job they end up all heading over to the Stubbs residence and maybell is like okay what the hell is happening here And they're like, she's running from the cops. And she's like, of course she can stay here. And then Penny and Seaweed are like, we're in love. And she has that really awesome line. You better be ready for a whole lot of of ugly coming from a never ending train of stupid. Something close to that. And then Penny's like, so you've met my mom. (laughs) Which is like, so. It's so, so good. It's so funny. So from here, they decide they've come up with a plan. What they're gonna do. And here we go, kids. It's finale time. It's like here to yep. the end. We are just we just cook Hope full it. speed. Like it just we just get ready. We're about to embark. <laughs> so we get to the Miss Hairspray pageant. Then of course we get the number hairspray. The important thing to keep in mind for the hairspray pageant is this is live television. Right. So whatever happens during this has happened. No going back. No going back. There's agents in the audience and Velma is like damned and determined that Amber's going to win this thing again. So they come up with this plan that they're going to sneak Tracy in. They end up doing so because there's like police outside checking to make sure she's not trying to Right. They've in. got reference photos. They're holding them up to girls with tall hair like at one point, they grab a girl who looks nothing like Tracy. She's fat and wearing the same hair. Like, right. that's it. Right. That's the only similarity. So, we get to this point, though, where there are these giant, like, hairspray cans. Right. Tracy's hiding inside one of them. They're, like, big prop cans for, like, the show. Right. Her dad comes in, quote-unquote, looking like her. Yeah, he's, like, they think he's wearing, they... like... A wig and like a trench coat. Which, by the way, you can still see his weird, those weird old man socks. Yeah. With like the garters. Is that what they're called? The sock garters? Yeah, sock garters. And I was like, girl, Christopher Walken in a wig (laughs) is what fooled you? We've got a confirmed sighting. Like I don't they, think you do. Like it wasn't even like a like a he was covering his face. No, just waltzing in with yeah. like just gobs of blush, a trench coat, fucking socks with garters. I mean, my God, you guys. In a wig, and they're like, oh, it's her. So they have a bunch of the black cast members who had been fired and let go. Mm-hmm. They're like pretending to be working backstage. They're in like jumpsuits. So no one's really paying much mind to them. And they're helping orchestrate this entire thing to get her in here. The police like pick up this hairspray can, bash down the door. Right. They enter. This whole time, this com- this contest is going on. Amber's making like an ass of herself, which is not shocking. Of course. Um, And Velma is like swapping out 
names. Swapping out votes for, for Miss Hairspray. Right. In Amber's favor. They get Tracy in. They like lock the whole stage shut. Velma's now trying to get in with like the guards. Right. It's a very tricky it. sequence of events because there's the confirmed sighting. The guy who's in charge of security calls for all backup. So all security rushes outside. The black kids lock the door behind them. Yep. So now that now the police have to break in. So they pick up the can and use it as a battering ram. Right. And they crash through the door. Also, like, ouch. Because when they crash through the door, they, like, stumble over a bunch of, like, chairs and stuff. And, like, you see a bunch of actors just, like, smash Snap their angles, shins. Right. Like, like, so now they're back in. And Velma confronts them. And mm-hmm. was like, what took you so long? And they were like, oh, well, the can was really heavy. She was like, how could it be heavy? They're hollow. They're like, oh my god, she snuck in in the fucking hairspray you can. You carried her in. And then, like, she walks out because they're trying to find her. Door gets locked. They lock her out again. Them. And then they're about to announce. And Corny is very like, it, I, I unfortunately, it is my obligation to yeah. announce that. <laughs> um, and Amber is sitting perched, like standing perched right, right next, next to him. him. Like, she's supposed to be back in line with all the other girls. And then he's, like, to announce that Amber Von Tussle... And is about f- to get out danced. ...from the ceiling in a, in a hairspray rocket ship. I just want to say that I personally wish that I could look as good as uh, as Tracy does after being snuck into a building... Used as a ...through battering, a battering ram. <laughs> used as a part of a battering ram. Yes, absolutely. She looks like a million bucks. Thank God they didn't have her have big hair because that thing would have gotten screwed in that yeah. can. I mean, she's, she's the vision of progress right now, right? She's in, like, a checkerboard dress. It's, like, the cute, like, mod 70s cut. Her hair is deflated, like... She's a new woman. Deflated, pin straight. Like, it's very, it's giving. She's wearing white go-go boots. Like, it's a whole thing. There's also a really cute detail. The the earrings that Tracy is wearing right Mm -hmm. now match the ones Edna's wearing. Because Edna comes in to watch the pageant in, like, a trench coat. Yes. So she's got, like, sunglasses and a head wrap. And, like, all you can really see is, like, the details of, like, her face. Right. And she's wearing these disco sparkle globe earrings. And Tracy's wearing the same pair. I just noticed it, like, on this rewatch. And I was like, that's so cute. It's a cute little touch. Little mother-daughter. So she comes in. She dances all to goodness. Then Link joins her. Mm-hmm. And then after they dance, she's like, oh my god, Link. And Amber's like, oh my god, Link. And then Link's <laughs> like, just wait. Hold your oh my gods. Goes and yanks little Inez because she's standing off in like a wing mm-hmm. and is like, it is your time dance. Yeah. So she goes, she dances on the show. Inez for president. I genuinely fantastic. It's such a cool moment for her. Penny and seaweed. Like this is like a whole, you can't stop the beat has started. Right. And again, we are cranking heat right now. Like we are just chugging towards the closing of this movie. Right. Penny and Seaweed come out, which, by the way, obsessed with Penny's dress. So Penny's dress is actually made out of the curtains from her bedroom. Is that why the little links on the bottom? Yes, like, it is. The... It's like a nod to, to like Sound of Music. Oh, okay, okay. Right. Such a beautiful dress. So they start making out on camera. Mm-hmm. Corny's like, live television, there's nothing like it. Prudy, Penny's mom, is watching this and flips the fuck out, falls over her coffee table, has like a whole moment. And you can see Penny on screen, like her whole face just like, falls as oh, she realizes shit. what she's just done. There's no going back. Nope. Um, Such striking dancing happening. 
I mean, it's music, it's dancing, it's singing, it's action, it's dialogue. Like, it's all happening. The pacing of this is really, really tight. Genuinely all at the same time. Amber runs off and she climbs into the weird rocket thing Tracy came down in and that starts getting pulled up. Amber falls out of it and, like, fucks (laughs) up her ankle. Oh, little Inez ends up winning. She ends up winning Miss Hairspray. Velma is pissed and she's like, that's impossible. She wasn't even a part of the lineup. Courtney's like, she got a tidal wave of phone calls and votes. She won. And if you dance on the show, you're eligible. That's in the rules. He like cites the exact line in the rules where he's like, if you dance during the pageant, you are eligible for the crown. Here it is in black and white. Get over it. And Velma's like talking to Amber. Amber's like, can we please just give this up? And she's like, it's impossible. I switched the damn tallies. At this time, the camera is literally... Literally pointed right at her. And Edna's like... Smile, Miss Crab. Smile, Miss candid camera. Yes! <laughs> Velma ends up getting fired. Obviously. And obviously, everyone is pulled to the dance floor to dance. Edna comes out, dances. She does a whole reveal. She does. She whips off into that gorgeous red fringed thing. Yes. And... So she's dancing, having a gay old time. Corny ends up pulling Motormouth Maybell and is like, it is your time to shine. Get out here. And she comes out and she dances and she sings. Yes, Corny Collins, give black people the floor. Amplify their voice. Because he's like, guess what? Because little Inez is the winner of Miss Hairspray, she's supposed to dance on every episode of the Corny Collins show. Corny Collins show is officially integrated. Bam. Just pew, 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 rapid fire. Again, this is live television. Can't take it back. You can't take it what back. What are you going to do after in that In front point? of America. All of this happens. Maybelle comes out. She sings, does her number. She goes back into like the host booth with Corny. It's still like on stage, but like in their little corner booth mm-hmm. thing. And we're clipping right along. More choreo. Key change. I mean, we're just on the up and up to the pinnacle of this, of this musical. <sighs> And then Tracy and Link kiss. In the weirdest lips lightly mashing together. It's it's mishandled. I I think that the way that I would have maybe done it is like if they're going to kiss... Have them kiss, then show us the crowning of little Inez. I like, agree. Let's, let's wrap that all up in a cute little bow that way. Because get... otherwise, because the, the point of the musical is about platforming black people and about integrating the show. Like, that's like the, the climax of the moment, right? Right. So the last thing we're left with should be crowning little Inez. Like, what if we didn't watch these two people awkwardly make out? I would have been on board with that. I don't. I didn't need the kiss. I think it's weird and awkward. I understand that we want our heroes to have a happy ending. And, or and it I, could have just been a kiss and not like a make-out scene. Right. Like it, it could have just been like, it could have been a, a kiss and not like a close pan of like their intimate moment. It could have been a wide shot of them kissing and then they crown Lil Inez. I just think, I don't know. I just think it, it was is, a weird way to yeah, kind of yeah. end the musical. Yeah. So then it ends, roll credits. Kiss, roll credits. We get a lot of fun numbers in this too that aren't a part of the action. Yeah, I have written Justice for Cooties, Justice for Come So Far, um, Justice for Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now. Like all of these, I do understand why they couldn't be in the movie because it is kind of a lengthy film to begin with. So I understood kind of taking them out. And we do get a couple of like cool cameos. Like we get Harvey Firestein and Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now. Some of the original Tracys and Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now. The Cooties cover is super fun. We hear part of Cooties in the movie. It's underneath... Um, it's when they're dancing for the pageant. 
Oh, in the talent portion of the pageant. You're yep. right. Um, so we do hear part of it, but like good, strong numbers that I wish could have been brought to cinematic life, but I understand why they couldn't have. Okay, Ben, let's rate this bad boy. What do you give it out of five biddies? I think nostalgia plays a factor. Well, yeah. But also, it's such a, such a, mm, five. I enjoyed it so much. I agree. It's five. Such a, it's such a fun ride. The vocalists, the costumes, the dancing. They utilize film language correctly. It's a proper adaptation. All of the casting was correct. I think it gets a five. I have no notes. Well, I have some notes, as you you've had heard. Some notes. I have some notes, but it's an important story. It's a it's well told. I, I give it a five. Five. The moment of truth. We are at the biddy test. The biddy test. The BD. The Benny Drake. This is a pass or fail, kids. Pass or fail. Does the Hollywood casting of this movie hold up to a musical theater standard? What do you think? Yes. I agree. Yes. The only voice that I am unsure of is Christopher Walken's. But again, he sells it well. It it suits the character. I do wish we had someone with maybe like a little bit more vocal chops. We got some kind of melody out of it um, rather than the sort of like speak singy walkthrough that, that Christopher Walken gives us. But I do think it, it lends something to the character as far as like a character voice goes. So I don't have major objections to it. The principal cast of this movie was really well chosen on top of like a really killer ensemble who smashes the vocals in like every single number. Again, the vocals, the dancing, holy cow ensemble. Yeah, Bravo. ensemble out the ears. The... The ensemble themselves have won awards, like, for the movie. As well they should. They were really, really spectacular. Like, just the ensemble. Good for them. They deserve it. I, they do deserve it. And I don't mean just in, like, a just... Well, you know, like, but the, the ensemble like the stand fact, alone without any uh, any accoutrement or anything like that. Like, exactly. the ensemble themselves. The fact that they were able to stand out enough to be nominated for things... Yeah. Speaks volumes. Yeah. It truly does about about the phenomenal job that they did. So that's a five out of five and a pass. We'll five. see how often we make that decision again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. We did it. We done did tackled hairspray. Oh man. I felt like we were running at high speed the entire time. The whole time, and we said everything and also nothing all at once. <laughs> Go on ahead and rate us five stars and comment your favorite movie musical. It will be moved to the top of the list for review. You can find us on Twitter at Backstage BDs. That's Backstage B for Binny, D as in Drake, S. Instagram at Backstage Biddies. Or email us at Backstage Biddies at gmail.com. All right, shall we give them, give them the cookie? So as I mentioned, Ross and I went to see The Prom live, and um, it was a queer love story, which was super cool for me and my husband to see live on stage. We've both been going to live shows for a long time and weren't ever sure that we would see a teenage queer love story in our lifetime. Um, So it was really moving and really touching, and there's a really awesome quote towards the end of it, and the quote is, sure, the world isn't great, but it's better because of people who have the courage to be who they are. 
That's so cute. It was so interesting to spend this week with the prom and with Hairspray at the same time to know that we're still telling stories about people who are different and who are treated poorly because of it, who are, you know, denied a life. They're denied all kinds of things just for being who they are. The two shows kind of held a mirror up to each other, and I watched both stories this week and uh, and heard the same thing. So it was a nice little little quote. Nice to hear the same thing more than once in a week. So keep being weird, you little freaks. Have the courage to be yourself. Unless you're racist, then don't. Yeah, don't do that. Be gay, do crime. Don't be racist. All right, I think that's it. Let's right. end on that note. Hit the lights. <laughs> Bye. So we get the underscorement of Big Blonde and Beautiful starting. The underscorement? The underscorement. Is that a word? It is today. <laughs> Underscoring? Sure. Underscorement is what I am choosing to stick with. I don't know that that's a word. Hair flip. I don't care. <laughs> um, words are not words until they're made up. Okay, this is the I mean... hairspray episode, not the super, not the Mary Poppins episode. <laughs> <laughs>